Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. No special announcements or anything, just thank you again to all of the new supporters. I really appreciate you. And let's jump in and see what we got this week. First up, James from RetroHQ has just released a new firmware update for the 7800 game drive. That is a bug fix for any of the games that use a pokey audio. So basically, um, games like EXO's title screen had audio that was out of tune in certain certain circumstances, but that's all fixed. So that's just one of those things where if you have a 7800 game drive, might as well just take the free firmware update, even if you don't use games that have pokey in them. But um, also, um, if anybody's unfamiliar, the 7800 game drive is a ROM cart for the Atari 7800 that plays both 7800 and 2600 ROMs, but also has a Genesis 2 style mini DIN that gets RGB out that is completely plug and play, no mod required. Just plug it directly into your 7800 and go from there. I did a live stream with James about this a while back, as well as an interview with him, uh, if you want to hear more from James. But I just absolutely love stuff like this. And this kind of hybrid emulation, still using the chips of the 7800, but generates its own video. I think this is just the perfect happy medium, especially when it comes to older consoles. Because as much as I love modded consoles, it's a lot of work for people and it's a lot of cost for people that can't do it themselves. So just having a cartridge that you plug in that'll get you all the games as well as video out, I think is pretty awesome. Not perfect for people that like to use original cartridges, but I, everybody's different. I know I'm weird, I'm okay with this, but I love to own the original cartridges of the, my favorite games. And I will go out of my way to, to get them from local game stores and just kind of have that experience but I still only really play using ROM carts or Mr., even though I love owning the original cartridges. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, but I do feel like there's more people out there that uh, that could understand the differences. And um, if you're somebody that wants to just have a plug-and-play solution, check out the sale links. Um, I think there's some in stock, at the very least, at Retro Gamer Stuff in the UK, but there's also a German and US seller that hopefully will get stock of these back in soon as well. So check out the post in the live stream we did for more info. So over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about D65 versus D93 color, and it's kind of become evident to many of us that we may have been experiencing a lot of Japanese-made games in Japan that were made on Japanese CRTs in kind of the wrong colors. And while most of those games are still beautiful in basically any TV and color spectrum, 
it was really interesting to see how even some of the the biggest titles of the 16-bit era might have been viewed in kind of the improper colors around the world because it was designed on D93 color CRTs and we're all using D or mostly using D65. So when this ability to change the color matrix in Mr. was added, I was thrilled because now a lot of us could test it. But what about original hardware? And what about scenarios where you can't just load up that gamma file? Well, now Mike Chi has integrated this functionality into the upcoming RetroTINK 4K, which is incredible. That means that anybody could experience this no matter what the content is. So imagine some Japanese anime from the 80s and 90s, especially if you have old VHS tapes of that. Use that in the CRT simulate mode with a different color uh, spectrum on there. So this is absolutely awesome. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people kind of either poo-poo it, oh, you know, who cares? It's just 1% of users would want to test this out. I disagree. I really think if you've taken the time to just skim Dan's posts and look at the pictures and check out Keith Rainey's posts on Twitter where there was some side-by-side -side stuff, I think you could really understand why some of these games and maybe even other content might really benefit from being viewed in the different colors. So the fact that we have this ability in the upcoming Tink 4K is just awesome, and I can't wait to try certain content with that as well, just to see how what the difference is and how it looks. Even silly things like, anybody ever watch Most Extreme Elimination Challenge? I used to love that show. It made me laugh every time, and I wonder if that was all shot and calibrated in, in D93. So I definitely plan on messing with this um, as soon as I have time to, but it's really cool to know the devs are taking this seriously, and thanks to Mike for adding this. Any Mac gamers out there, or I guess even Mac users in general, should probably read Alex's post about this stuff. Um, there's two things that Alex highlighted. First was developer Tom Kidd is creating a website called Mac Source Ports with two goals in mind. Either Tom's compiling and releasing his own signed and notarized Mac OS binaries, or just linking to game open source game projects and their official binaries for people who want to convert that over themselves. So this is important because anybody running on modern Mac or silicon, so not the Intel-based chips, can't just run boot camp or install Windows on it in order to play these games. You actually have to have it made for Macs. So the fact that somebody's out there highlighting these projects and getting them running is awesome. I'd love to see uh, if there is a, uh, an important Mac gaming community, I'd like to see more stuff like this. But in Alex's post is also something that might be arguably more important, uh, and that's a project called Open Core Legacy Patchers, which is meant to solve things like if there's software out there that isn't flagged to run on older Mac OSs, will only run on the latest, you can patch some of those things to run, which is awesome because that's a fake limitation. As long as the hardware is fast enough and there isn't, there isn't any reason, uh, any actual reason why it shouldn't run, then why is there a limitation imposed? And while, you know, everybody, especially Mac and Linux users, love to throw shade at Windows, that's not a thing Windows users have. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean everything's always compatible, but uh, on, a, on a live stream, I loaded up capture software that was originally designed to run on Windows XP, and it ran on Windows 11 with no problems. And while that's not common, at least there was no fake limitation imposed in that. So um, 
I, I think it's pretty cool that there's at least stuff out there to uh, to help with these things. Now, obviously, switching from Intel-based hardware to uh, Mac, Apple-based hardware is going to be a limitation that's real. And you're not going to get all software running on both. And that's totally fine and understandable, at least in my opinion. But if you're a Mac user, definitely check out Alex's post because I think both of these projects are very cool and at least worth highlighting. So much appreciated that the, the post is here. And you know, hopefully I get the info right and I could point some, some Mac users in the right direction for this stuff. Zofar just released the first episode in his Retro Rewind series, which is going to be a YouTube series that reflects back on Zofar's domain, the absolutely legendary emulation website from back in the 90s, emulation and video game music as well, depending on when you caught up with that website. Uh, one of the other might have been the highlight for you. And this episode was awesome. It focused on the 1999 short-lived web series, which today that's kind of commonplace, but in 99, that was really almost unheard of for somebody to fire up their real player and Netscape Navigator to do this stuff. So it's my very strong opinion that if you were around back then messing with any of this emulation, this is a must-watch. It'll send you straight back into nostalgia in all the best ways. And it's very cool to see Zofar's domain in a Netscape Navigator browser shown like that, because it really did bring me right back. But honestly, if you're even just mildly interested in video game history, especially in the emulation scene, you're probably going to want to watch it as well. I certainly don't want to take away from everybody else. I just, uh, this is one of those things that I think most video game nerds would enjoy. But if you were an old person who was alive back then working on stuff like this, like I was with my emulation-based website back then, then this is a trip. This is a must-watch and I'm really looking forward to the other episodes in the series. And maybe I could even have Zofar back on for a follow-up interview. We had uh, did the original one last year that was so much fun. So maybe I could have him back on and we could kind of hang out and reflect on that once the Retro Rewind series is done. But if you want to follow Zofar, he's been uh, streaming regularly on Twitch, doing game playthroughs and just kind of hanging out and having fun. He's on uh, his own Discord server, some social media, and of course now YouTube with this stuff. And he's also done a few things that I just haven't had time to highlight. I think he did a memory card one that was pretty neat. Just a couple of fun videos just to help people out with stuff. So definitely subscribe wherever you like to subscribe for stuff like this. And I'll keep people posted on what Zofar is up to these days. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. But before we begin, I also want to mention that Lou has done two other videos this week that you all might be interested in. The first was a Mr. Software Setup video. And while I did one of those myself, and I'll leave mine linked on my page because I'm a selfish ass sometimes, uh, I strongly think that if you're about to set up a Mr., you should also watch Lou's, or maybe Lou's I haven't had time to watch it yet. Maybe he's got some new tips that I don't. But I've personally found many times that when I'm about to do something for the first time, seeing two different people explain the same thing two ways is super helpful because sometimes my brain wraps its head around one thing somebody said, but you know, then another thing somebody else said. So I strongly recommend checking it out if you're about to set up a mister or if you just have a mister from a long time ago and you're like, well, let me wipe the SD card and start from scratch in case you know there's anything that I'm missing here. So definitely want to check that out. And also Lou did a video on how to assemble those aluminum Mr. Cases from Mr. Add-ons, which are beautiful cases that the last time I assembled one, it was a massive pain in the ass. Not as bad as the original uh, PCB cases. Those were a nightmare. Those I could probably assemble 50 Retro Castle cases in the time it took me to assemble one of those. So if you haven't bought a pre-built aluminum one, definitely check that out because it was 
last time I did it, it was awful to build and I didn't really want to open it up again, but they look beautiful and they, they perform just fine. So um, definitely check those videos out. It's all just on Lou's main channel. So as always, don't forget to subscribe to Lou, but let's jump in and check out the updates that he's posted for us this week. First up, there has been a couple updates to the Mega Drive core. That's the newer one that's a little more accurate than the last, and it's fixed the SVP chip, so virtual racing, as well as tweaks and fixes in four-way and team multi team player multi-taps, uh, as well as reset fixes, so like the X-Men final boss fight, which really messed me up when I was a kid. I was terrified to hit reset because I didn't want to erase all my progress. So that was, it's always good to see that uh, working in emulation versions of it, whether it's software or hardware emulation. Next up, the Linux distro for Mr. has added support for more game pads, thanks to James McCarthy and Chig. So the, the more game pads, the better. Thank you. Wizzo's Mr. FPGA extensions have been updated to support Sega Saturn CHDs, and a new game search integration was added to the NFC UI script. So as always, thanks to Wizzo. I really absolutely love all those plugins. And check out that interview we did a while back if you want to hear us walk through all the ones up till then. But some of the stuff he's been doing since then has been killer, so maybe we'll just do another one of those soon. Next up, UberYoji post, posted several dev updates of the PlayStation Boot ISO. The 3D model of the Mr. Coon Cat has improved geometry and is now lit and colored. When the ISO is released, it's meant to be an alternate boot screen for the PlayStation Core, which this is one of those things that I absolutely love and appreciate and really hope that maybe the Mr. Team would consider making some of this stuff default because I could be wrong. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I know a lot of you will. Uh, this doesn't take up space in the cores. This doesn't mess with the FPGA at all. This is basically just a prettier way to have a default loading of a core after it loads. Uh, so maybe I'm missing something. I often do. So maybe I don't want to step on Robert's toes who created that awesome core and I don't want to piss off the mystery team, but having it look nicer at no cost of performance is always something you should seriously consider. We want to make this friendlier for people, not push them away and just have nerds only for this. Next up, Hotego has decided to consolidate some cores. This will not affect the way the games run, but it will actually help Hotego maintain them better. And the games being consolidated at the moment are Vulgus 1942 and uh, Hijmaru. I'm positive I'm saying that wrong, my apologies. But this is stuff that's more from a dev side and makes total sense. Why are you going to continue to update individual cores with the same fixes over and over when you could kind of consolidate them and have one core with multiple ROMs that you're updating? So I'm all for stuff like this. And especially because the end to us, the end user, it means nothing. I mean that with love. There's That's not a dig or anything. I just mean like it makes it easier for the devs and our links that we use to launch the games are still going to be the same. So whatever. Uh, as always, if anybody has any problems, all you have to do is delete the arcade folder and rerun update all. And while it'll take a moment to re-download everything, that has fixed every problem I've ever had with launching arcade games. So just a cool tip that Hotego passed out on Patreon the other day that I figured I would share. Next up, uh, as has been every week, luckily for us, Robert is continuing to update the N64 core, and this one now updates a missing CPU function that increases the throughput that the CPU has, uh, so this can change the performance in some games. For, some ex uh, for example, in some scenes, the StarCraft frame rate increased from 30 FPS to 39 also, N64 microphones are now supported thanks to testing done by Mr. Dolch. So this is 
incredible. We're essentially having a better than original N64 performance. And I think Robert even just this morning talked about dithering updates uh, to force removal of that for certain scenarios, which really affects games like F-Zero a lot. So thank you, Robert. Thank you very much for all of these. Uh, next up, Martin, uh, a.k.a. Wickerwaka, posted a notice that Mr. Laggies are back in stock. That's that $12 lag testing device that I gushed over for a couple of weeks in a row that I thought absolutely awesome. I'll skip over it, but I just want to say once again, if you already own a Mr. and you care even the slightest bit about lag, you should probably buy one of these. And I've been annoying the crap out of Martin with uh, for other potential uses that we could implement for this that might lead to some pretty cool things. So for 12 bucks. I, I would pick one up, uh, you know, if if you're in the, if shipping isn't going to be too much, if you're in the position to do so, I have a feeling this is a device that's going to start to get more use out of it. Um, but once again, don't just go buy a Mr. to buy this to test lag. You could pick up other devices for cheaper, but if you're a Mr. owner, this is a cool thing to have. Also, an FPGA-based Game Boy Color is coming soon. It's being developed by Funny Playing, and it's meant to be an alternative to a Game Boy Color, and it'll have all of its functionality, along with enhancements like the IPS screen, USB port, etc. Since it doesn't have an SD card slot, it most likely won't support cores for other systems. And if this device is using open source cores, it would have to be abiding by the license, and of course, you know, have all of the changes be implemented back in, but... I'm absolutely all for stuff like this. And now that there are cheaper dev boards available that you could port these cores over to, it's a possibility. For a while there, to take a Mr. Core and an FPGA dev kit to make a portable Game Boy Color, it would essentially be more expensive than the analog pocket. So it's not really something that... It wouldn't be financially viable for most people, but with some of these cheaper FPGA boards coming out, as long as someone takes the time to port the cores over, you could actually potentially have an inexpensive recreation of just one of those consoles. So Game Boy Color would obviously be Game Boy and Game Boy Color, but if the price is right, I think that's awesome, and I would love to see more of this stuff happen. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll obviously update all of that as soon as... Um, you know, as soon as there's purchase links available and everything else. Uh, Mako in Takayudin did a video on that, though, if you're interested. So check those out. Next up, there are some game compatibility spreadsheets for both the Saturn and N64 that will help you identify if your favorite games are working. Thank you to people who do stuff like this, because it just makes so many of our lives so much easier to be able to just quickly reference this stuff and rather than sit there and troubleshoot wondering if you're doing something wrong you could just open up the sheet and be like oh why isn't this working oh it's not compatible yet i'll just wait or here's the tweaks that you need so thank you very often people's efforts doing things like that go unnoticed and i want to make sure to always highlight that stuff um, and lastly, Wizzo now has a guide on creating your very own NFC scanner that could be used to launch games directly from an NFC card. The scanner is much smaller than the ones you can get on Amazon and therefore could be implemented easier in projects like arcade cabinets or into small cases. So that stuff's been really cool and hopefully I'll have time maybe next year to play with that. But that's it for this time. As always, thanks so much to Lou. Please check out Lou's other videos and subscribe to his channel. And thanks to everybody who contributes to Mr. because you're all awesome. Next up are a couple pieces of info on RetroTINK products. First up, the TINK 5X and 2X Pro, as well as that premium remote for the 5X, are now available 
in worldwide distribution, which is absolutely awesome if you're outside of the U.S. and Canada, because now you could probably pick this up either in your country or at the very least closer to your country without paying as much of a shipping or import tax as maybe you would have before. So that's absolutely awesome news. I like to see more people be able to get their hands on stuff like this. Um, I highlighted stores that I've worked with that I have very good experience with, and I also want to give a shout out and an apology to Dragonbox in Germany. I've known about Dragonbox for a while. I've heard nothing but good things, and I just haven't had time to reach out. But now that I have, I'm going to make sure to highlight, at the very least, for any future posts, I'll try to go back to older ones as well, and highlight the stuff that they're selling for all of my friends in Germany. That way you could buy it right from your own country, and you don't have to pay for import tax. So uh, no offense, Dragonbox. I just didn't have time to start adding you, but I promise I will now. And I try to keep up with all of this stuff. But for at the very least, um, you know, I posted the stores that I've worked with consoles for you which is also classic game store.ch same store in switzerland dragon box in germany uh, 8-bit mods in the uk i've been working with them for a long time and now a couple years and always great to work with and of course directly to mike in the u.s so uh basically it's just going to make this easier for people outside of the states to be able to get retro tink products now one thing to note the retro tink 4k will eventually be available at these stores but at the very least the first run of production maybe even the second is going to go directly from mike in the u.s for a whole bunch of reasons however there's more news on the tink 4k as well speaking of the tink 4k mike has announced the price and approximate release date the release date is going to be early December, so definitely hit the before the end of the year target that he had reached for. And the price is $750 plus shipping, and it'll come with that same premium remote style that's being sold separately for the Tink 5X with a custom overlay for the Tink 4K. So, of course, the first thing I have to mention is price, because people are probably already losing their minds typing awful things in the comment section as they're even listening to this. And I just have to politely remind everybody like I have been in a room at a trade show where I heard $250,000 a piece speakers I would never spend $250,000 on a speaker but I loved the experience I love that they exist I appreciate people that go through the efforts to make stuff like that and maybe if I was a gazillionaire I would appreciate buying that to have it for me I certainly don't shame people for spending extra money on stuff that's important to them, but I'm just going to stick with my pair of uh, Ascend Acoustics that were less than 500 bucks that I absolutely love. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the more expensive stuff. It doesn't mean that your lower-end options aren't low-end. It's just lower-end than a $250,000 a piece speaker. And that's what I think of the price about this one. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to like that there's more expensive stuff out there, but, you know, I just don't understand why people always got to cut other people down when it comes to stuff like this. I'd also like to not so politely remind you that you could just get a CRT for free on the side of the road or at a dump as long as it turns on and works and mice haven't built a nest inside of it. You could just clean it up a little bit and have a perfectly awesome retro gaming experience using the cables your console came with for free. You could also buy other products like other uh, the other retro tanks the ossc and pro and anything else out there other than a pound cable that you would be able to use to connect these to a flat panel you don't have to spend a lot of money these are for the people that like high-end audio gear that would rather buy an oled instead of an lcd so it's just it's always hard to talk about expensive stuff without 
waves of trolls coming after you trying to shame people for both promoting and using expensive stuff. So I'm drawing my line right here. I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm not telling you this is the way you should play. This is if you would like to spend extra money, but I'm not going to tolerate any harassment about that stuff, period. So uh, the other thing I just wanted to address with this is in the post, I said it comes with, uh, it will launch with a mature firmware. And I just want to make sure I clarified what I meant by that. The Tink 4K has been in private beta for about a year now and more of a public beta for at least six months now, I guess. And Mike has sent these to some of the best minds on the entire planet. People who have been creating custom profiles, testing every use case. Essentially, when you buy this, if you decide to spend the money, if you choose to buy this, uh, you're going to get a product, even on launch date, that feels like something that's been on the market for a year, because it kind of sort of has. And it's been with people that, that just provide endless feedback and beta testing. So I think it's important to note that, because if a product is released at a $300 price point, and it's, hey, you know, this is new product, new firmware, we'll work it out together, I personally am fine with that, especially with stuff made you know, by people in the scene, for people in the scene. But you're spending a lot of money on this, and you're getting what you pay for. While I'm sure Mike is going to continue to give completely free updates, you, when you buy it now, it's going to feel like something that already has so many features that you might want. I have, of course, as always, I'm nagging Mike to add new and mostly useless stuff that I want to see in there, but it's going to launch solid. So, you know, you don't have to worry about dropping your money and getting something that's buggy and doesn't work. Not that any of the RetroTank products have ever been like that, neither has the OSSC, but just, just saying, uh, you know, you could put your faith into this. That it's going to be a worked out product. So if you want to see my uh, introduction video of it, I did it a while back and I'm going to be doing more videos soon, highlighting which scaler you might want to use now that there's some really good choices out there, as well as more individual features of the RetroTank 4K, just because there's, I mean, one video would be a four hour video. So I might as well just break it up into a whole bunch of little videos and, you know, hopefully the algorithm won't hate me too much for that. So if you see my channel die slowly, it's because I'll be releasing a couple shorter videos, but whatever. Um, I'd rather get the information out there the way that's easier for people. So price and release date, 750 bucks, early to mid-December, I guess. And uh, so definitely before the end of the year, barring anything insane happening and no pre-orders, they will be shipped when you buy them, you know, within within reason, right? Not the same second, but within a day or so. So there are no pre-orders. This is, you pay your money, you get your Tink 4K shipped to you, which I think is the definitely the right way to go for a product at this price. And, you know, you want to make sure you know you're, you're getting what you pay for right away. Plus, we've all been burned pretty badly with pre-orders in the past couple of years, partially because of the part shortage, but also, you know, because that's just the way it goes sometimes. So I'm excited for it. A lot of other people are, uh, and it's okay to not want to spend 750 on this. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't shame other people for doing so. The OSSC Pro has now finally arrived after the part shortage basically killing this project completely. Now that parts are back in stock, Marcus was able to have some manufactured and finally release it to the public. Um, I just want to make sure I'm clear that the, the delays in this project were 100% part shortage related. Marcus wasn't messing around with any of this stuff. It just, they were not able to be made and now they are. So 
The project has been turned back on, and here you go. The price came to about $360, which included shipping, the remote, and international PSU, uh, and that's $360 to the U.S. It might be slightly different depending on wherever you're located. And I am about to do a live stream with Marcus walking through a bunch of the features. I recorded this podcast beforehand, so I'd have enough time to do that. Uh, But the one thing I will say about this is I genuinely wholeheartedly think that this has a place in the retro scene. And while if it was released when it was supposed to be released before the part shortage killed it, it would have made a much bigger splash, I still think it's a great device. And I think the number one use case people might be interested in is the HDMI input. Because if you have something like a Carby or HDMI modded Wii or HDMI modded Xbox, things that generally output 480p, you could use the line multiplication scaler in this to send that to 1440p with basically zero latency and have a true digital to digital scale at 360 bucks. I think that is a really, really cool feature. And I think a lot of people who use those consoles would very much be interested just based on that alone, the price point for HDMI inputs. Also, if you would have liked a RetroTINK 5X, but especially like something in about that price point, but you use a lot of retro PCs or a lot of weird arcade boards, the TINK 5X isn't compatible with all of those. The 4K is, but that's twice the price of these. So if you are looking for something that kind of performs like the OSSC, but with more features and has the compatibility, you could definitely pick uh, this one up for it. And also, uh, I'm interested to test some of the weird features in here. The the 120 hertz with BFI stuff, um, downscaling. I think this is going to be a pretty cool device with a bunch of neat accessories coming up. Hopefully I could show at least one of those in the stream, but I think there's absolutely a place for this and I'm really happy to see it finally get launched. Unfortunately, I don't think very many were made. So by the time you hear this, it might actually be sold out, which is really frustrating because that was the problem with the original OSSC. They never made enough to go around, which kind of sucks for everybody because The people who wanted them couldn't buy them, but also Marcus and Video Game Perfection weren't able to make as much money as they could have, and with it being out of stock, that opened the door for Bitfucks to come in, clone it, and sell low-quality versions of it. So I really hope the team's going to reconsider how many they want to stock, because I don't want to see that happen to this. I don't want to see this out of stock for six months after being delayed for years just to have Bitfucks do a low-quality clone that doesn't even work right. So hopefully lessons will be learned from previous mistakes. We'll see. But uh, either way, I hope it's still in stock by the time you hear this. But if it's not, don't, don't come mad at me for it, all right? I'm trying my best. Well, that's it for this time. Kind of exciting that we're now officially entering the next generation of retro scalers. It's uh, pretty neat to see what that's going to bring us and to see what comes next and everything. You know, while I do love my retro games, I am a nerd that's always focused on today and the future. So while it might seem like I'm somebody that just likes old things, I'm actually always forward looking and uh, being able to I don't know, this is going to sound dumb, but being able to step into the future today with the OSSC Pro and soon with the Tink 4K, it's just really cool to see what's coming next. And it's an exciting time to be a retro gamer. But anyway, as always, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to everybody who supports in any of the monthly services or even just people who click on affiliate links because it's you who's keeping all of this going. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week. Bye.